I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health and fitness industry to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. My guest this week is a really, really interesting interview. She is a board-certified nutrition specialist and a digestive health expert. She has over 25 years experience. She's taught at Stanford University Medical Center. She's also the author of Light Living, an integrated approach to health and weight. And she has a state-of-the-art functional medicine practice that specializes in all sorts of digestive issues, including things like heartburn, IBS, irritable bowel disease, and other kind of autoimmune conditions. She's a licensed heart math provider, and we talk a bit more about heart math, both in terms of how she works with clients and her own personal practice. And she's worked with and is in fact one of the leading physicians in her area. Her name is Dr. Christine Roche. She was introduced to me by a previous podcast guest, Ryan Munsey, which is an episode worth checking out actually. And I'll also link to the podcast episode she did with him. So enjoy this episode. It's fascinating. And we talk about the gut-brain connection and the gut being the brain, if you like, of the whole body, and which is why in her practice they treat the gut first for any condition that relates to any part of the body. Not always in isolation, but it's the place to go if you want to treat anything that's going on within the whole body. So it's very much about holistic health. Fascinating episode. I hope you really enjoy it. Dr. Roche, welcome to the show. Thank you, Leanne. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great. Well, I'm really excited about this episode. A little bit longer than our usual. In fact, twice as long as our usual because there is so much that we have to talk about. Now, you and I have already spent some time together going through my results, which were fascinating, and I'm on day one of my new plan. We'll talk about that. But first, let's start with you. Talk us a bit about your background. I know you're very experienced, very renowned in what you do. How did you get into this? Yeah, my background is that I worked at Stanford Medical Center in the research, in cardiovascular surgery research, and also in various other departments. And what I found the research studies showed is that every patient that had a surgery to repair their cardiovascular system came back within usually the first two years to have a repeat surgery because they were all saying, you know, none of my lifestyle or stress or dietary factors were addressed. Hmm. So what I learned from working for years at Stanford Hospital and Stanford clinics, as well as working in many functional medicine clinics is that unless we address the gut, the digestive system and our dietary considerations, that that was, you know, the root cause of all health issues was in the gut. Mm. And is this something that a lot of other experts back up or is it relatively new thinking? Yes, it's actually very well documented now. The latest journals from both Europe and the United States, and they are posted on my website, actually show that not only is the gut microbiome the most critical organ for every part of our functioning in the brain, the health of our whole body, every organ, but now the latest data shows that every organ has its own microbiome and that actually it's not just in the gut. For example, breast cancer patients all have the same dysbiotic or bad bacteria growing in their breast tissue which had migrated and it was related to the health of the gut. So they're now saying that in all the research that cancer, all autoimmune, you know, most disorders, I would say almost 100% of them have its root, you know, all health begins in the gut, as Hippocrates said. Yeah. And that's how long ago we knew about that then. That is fascinating. So when was the moment of discovery? Well, the main discovery is that, you know, we have billions and trillions of organisms in our microbiome, in the digestive tract. And what happens is, is that unless we cultivate that, it's like a garden, you have weeds growing in your garden, you know, you've got bad things you have to take out, and you have to fertilize the soil. Well, unless we fertilize the soil properly, the microbiome with the right bacteria, and then continue to focus on it, the latest research shows that even dementia, you know, so many people are not concerned about Alzheimer's, dementia, brain, all the systemic inflammation is triggered. And so what I did, you were asking me about how I got into this is after I worked at Stanford, I was invited to join a functional medicine team consisting of many different physicians and myself. And what I learned is that in that teamwork, 
the root cause actually was for us all of us the gut. Hmm. Yeah. So the key to all disease that we found at that clinic was that most people had autoimmune problems. You know, they had lupus, they had Hashimoto's, they had whatever disease that they had. But what we found by working many years side by side is that the field of functional medicine needs to be acknowledged. Hmm. And so, for example, in the United States and in Europe, crisis medicine, which is very helpful when you break a bone, you need surgery, you know, they'll mend your bones, put you back together. Crisis medicine is essential for a crisis state where you have a bone break or surgery is needed. But the functional medicine has to do with addressing the roots of the tree, the root Mm. cause. So standard medicine will go up the ladder and squirt one leaf of the tree Mm -hmm. with a pharmaceutical, which is very important if you need that at that time. However, what's needed is a more of a root cause analysis of how our body is functioning before it breaks down. Mm. And that's the essence of functional medicine, is it? The essence of functional medicine is root cause. Just visualize the tree. We address the root causes, which are absorption, digestion, elimination, inflammation, detoxification, and food allergies and in you know, overall systemic issues that are all affected by every part of the tree. So it's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. So functional medicine is customized, it's root cause based, it's individualized for each person. When you look at crisis medicine, it's very pharmaceutical based, which saves lives, but it doesn't address the long-term effects of how bodies functioning. So when you do a colonoscopy, you are looking for polyps, you're looking for cancer, pre-cancer, you know, inflammatory bowel, serious end-stage diseases. When you're looking at gut health and gut health testing, you're looking at how your gut is functioning along a continuum between health and disease. Mm. So are you suggesting that gut health is addressing the root of most conditions rather than just the way that they're presenting? So something that's presenting in the face, let's take rosacea as an example, a fairly non-harmful but irritating stems from the gut. So instead of trying to treat the skin of the face, we look at what's going on in the gut. Well, actually, both are best, Leanne, because what we want to do is, you know, sometimes, as I said, medicine is essential for short-term acute care. You know, we treat the skin. However, when we want to identify the root cause, I work with a lot of people with skin conditions. It's always in their microbiome. Mm. It's always looking at how is the bacteria in the gut? Is it out of balance? How is the different parts that will go over what your test showed? It's the entire picture of billions of bacteria, what's out of balance, what is needed to colonize optimal health and optimal function. Mm. Let's talk for a little bit about the gut itself, because I read, I've read different things. You're the expert to tell me. I read that we're more microbial than we are human. So we have more microbial cells than we do human cells. Is that true? Yes, that is correct. Okay. If dazzle us with some of the numbers, because it's startling, isn't it? The different types of yeah. bacteria we have in the gut. Startling. Yeah, it's very startling. And one of the things I found, because I've also worked with the leading clinics in Europe, is that the very first thing to realize is that we are a microbiome. Our whole body is a microbiome. It's mm. not just in the digestive system, but we're an intricate, interrelated system of billions and billions of these microbes that mm. talk to each other and signal each other. Mm. I find it so interesting. Well, we'll come to what it means for me precisely, because I think that was such an eye-opening session that we had. But okay, so traditionally, we thought the brain was the command and control center of the body. But I think there's a, a real leaning now amongst experts towards the gut being the command and control center. Would you agree? What are your thoughts on that? Yes, that's absolutely true. I'm a licensed heart math provider. And so I work with anxiety, depression, you know, many mood disorders. What we do is in the clinic, I work with cleaning up the microbiome, helping them to assess what they need to balance their digestive bacteria, their system. But also we work with the vagus nerve. Hmm. So one of the key things is the vagus nerve regulates the gut very much in terms of the functioning. So I teach people different biofeedback tools, either in person or remotely on Skype, on how they can regulate the vagus nerve, which then impacts the trillions of bacteria in the body, impacts the inflammation in every aspect of health. Okay. Would you mind just explaining what vagus nerve is for the benefit of listeners? The vagus nerve is like an autonomic nervous system regulator. 
So mm-hmm. it helps you go into a sympathetic or a parasympathetic, you know, if you're under stress, it's like the red light, you screech, you stop at the red light, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you have a situation where in sympathetic nervous system overdrive, your stress hormone starts getting activated, your all the chemicals, cortisol gets released. Well, this vagus nerve, by activating it and working with it, the research shows that you can bring yourself in the parasympathetic into a state of balance in your body, homeostasis, you go back to homeostasis much easier when you're under stress. Okay. Yes. So that's important. Yeah. So that's the vagus nerve. So, cause you brought this up when we had a session as well. How does using something like heart math and heart math, if I understand it correctly, is a device that's worn on the earlobe, which yes. helps you to get coherence, doesn't it? Which is when you've got the balance of the autonomic nervous that's system. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things it does is, you know, the gut bacteria and the permeability of the gut is very much linked to what's called cortisol levels in the blood. Mm-hmm. So clinics I've worked with, and we've tested a lot of people's cortisol, salivary cortisol, which is their stress hormone in the body, you know, adrenaline, noradrenaline, dopamine, all these different hormones from the brain and the body. So we stress the cortisol, which is the inflammatory hormone, and it's the one that gets triggered under stress. And when we practice the heart math tools, bio, any type of biofeedback will help lower that cortisol level, which will enhance the functioning of the gut. Right. Okay. So hence why you told me to chew slowly and slow down before food. Do you even do some breathing exercises before food? I think you mentioned. Yes, Leanne. Yeah. That's so important, you know, because what happens is that when you eat very quickly, your brain centers do not have enough time to signal that you're satisfied. So it takes about 15 to 20 minutes, you know, for all of the systems of the body to then say you are starting, you know, you've had this food. So when you eat really quickly, also the body feels that you're in fight or flight, which is the Mm. high cortisol state. So I ask everyone to slow down when they're eating, to take some deep breaths, to do some of those practices before they eat, even for five minutes, because their food will absorb much better and you will digest better. Yeah. I think it's quite a nice thing to do as well. I mean, some households did and still do say grace. I've never done that, but the very act of slowing down and taking some time to contemplate the food you're about to eat, show some gratitude, think about the provenance, is a lovely way to start a meal. So you can do quite a number of things in that space of time before you eat, can't you? Yes, you can. And it makes a major difference. Your digestive enzymes are actually blocked and not being secreted when you have high cortisol. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down, to, when you're working, many people do their work on the desk. When you're watching TV, you know, with the stressful news, it actually inhibits your body's secretion of hydrochloric acid and other enzymes you need for digesting and absorbing the nutrients. Right. So would that therefore impact absorption of nutrients potentially as well? Yes, that's yeah. right. Nutrient malabsorption is very much related to eating on the run, eating when you're driving, eating when you're working. Mm. Okay, cool. What are some of the common issues you see relating to the gut? Okay, so this is a very important part because one of the things that I often see is bloating. So a very important part is people may have bloating, abdominal distension, a lot of gas and burping, you know, pain at certain times, food sensitivities, joint pain, headaches, low energy, anxiety, depression. I see a lot of people with bipolar, with mental disorders, which go hand in hand with their gut issues. So the gut and the brain are linked. And that's also on my website. I have many articles and very good information on how to address that. But I think that every aspect, even they found that different bacteria influence weight loss or weight gain. So when I work with patients, I always customize the bacteria that they need to their gut test. And so, for example, one person to lose weight will need a certain type of probiotic. Others may need a different kind, depending on. That's why it's so important to test rather than guess, because the microbes control our weight and whether or not we're able to be successful at weight loss. Mm. And how does that work then? Do the microbes have an effect on the hormones like leptin and ghrelin? It has an effect basically whether or not you're digesting your food. You see, that's such an important part. Right. Many people gaining weight, it's because they have malabsorption and actually maldigestion issues. And so the microbes directly influence every process of digestion, absorption, elimination. Hmm. 
So people have constipation, you know, I work with a large, large group of people with constipation, where constipation, diarrhea, all of that is affected by that delicate bacterial imbalance. Okay, so bloating, gas are some of the common ones. We talked a little bit, we touched before we went live on gut permeability. Just talk to me a bit about what that is and whether that's yes. something you see commonly. That's a very about. important area because what I want to mention is that the gut is in a sense like a garden. I always tell people, you know, you take care of your garden. You basically, you know, you work with the, with the weeds in the garden and you remove them and so on. And so what's important to know is that permeability is like, if you imagine a lining in the gut, and I have that on my website, where it actually right now, 50 million Americans have permeability. And, and thousands are being diagnosed each day. It is for the most common disorder. And it turns out that everyone with autoimmune conditions, such as Hashimoto's autoimmune thyroiditis, lupus, MS, all of those autoimmune diseases start with that gut permeability. So everyone, it's now proven in the research. So basically think of the lining of the gut as a net or a barrier. And there's some movies on my website that show what the net looks like. And when you have an intact net, when the membrane junctions are tight, then you will see that bad bacteria, fungus, you know, food particles stay out of, do not pass through the lining into the bloodstream. They stay away. They're meant, but it's just one layer of the lining. It's, it's a very thin layer. It's very strong, but it's, it's very tight. Once that net is damaged, then on my site, you can see the movie, then these, this net starts to open up a little bit and it allows bacteria, fungus, virus, and food particles to enter the bloodstream, mm. causing an autoimmune response. Right. And what would that autoimmune response look like? Well, that could look at, that is definitely triggering an immune upregulated immune response and inflammation response. Okay. And they have now documented with all the research, you know, at Harvard with Dr. Fasano documented that all autoimmune disorders starts with these junctions and with the higher levels that I test the zonulin levels going up because the body is attacking itself. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically the junctions start to open and what causes them to open is very much linked to environmental toxins now they're finding in the research. It's really interesting. As you know, even in Europe, we've been bombarded by nuclear waste, by toxins. You know, the planet is becoming very toxic. Mm -hmm. In the United States, there are 10,000 new pesticides introduced every year in herbicides. And even if people inside their house eat organic, which, of course, they must do when they walk outside, they pick up Roundup on their shoes. That's why we tell everybody not to wear shoes in the house because mm. they pick up the Roundup from Monsanto and then they spread it. Roundup damages by gut bacteria. They've now found that all of the ingredients in a Monsanto, you know, you probably know about Monsanto. You're yes. aware of you yeah. know, that. All of the ingredients that have been found, they actually damage the lining and the microbes. They kill off the good bacteria in the gut cause the bad weeds to grow. So we've got toxins, environmental chemicals, uh, genetically modified organisms, which the United States is allowing. I mm -hmm. know most of Europe do not have to deal with that, but it's starting to come in. No matter how, how much you, you do not think that you're allergic to gluten, the latest shows, and Fasano has also demonstrated this, that the lectins in gluten, you know, and all of these different proteins in the grains, even if you are not a celiac, all gluten in the USA is not genetically modified. So unless people here bake their own bread or unless I'm sure it's similar to Europe, you need to know that gluten will unzip the lining of the gut. So you've got gluten, genetically modified toxins, stress will unzip the lining and pharmaceutical drugs. Wow. So even if people do one Advil in the United States every week, it will over time, if they do regular over-the-counters, start to unzip the lining in some people. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and this is very, very serious because it causes that constant attack. The body attacks itself, and then we're dealing with a very, very serious issue. We work with hundreds of autoimmune patients every year. So even in the United States, Leanne, where people are, you know, it's so serious that we have hundreds of people in our clinic with antibodies, you know, to their own thyroid. 
And what we found is when we heal the gut permeability and they go on the right plan and customize bacteria, after two years, their antibodies are down significantly, usually by 50%. And by five years, we've got 80% actually the antibodies. So we have a lot of, you know, we've seen this and also lupus, we're working with patients now with, with Parkinson's disease, early stage Parkinson's, very exciting groundbreaking that the microbiome and the permeability are one of the root issues that we address in these Parkinson's patients, their functioning has improved tremendously hmm. using the tools from functional medicine and the microbiome. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah. So I, I know somebody with Parkinson's and he's on a vegan diet most of the time. Do you think there's a correlation between the benefits of an increased vegetable, well, vegan doesn't mean increased vegetable consumption necessarily, but can you see a correlation there between gut health, potential vegan diet and improved Parkinson's? I would say there's a definite correlation between gut health and the microbiome and Parkinson's. What we've seen, the diet is customized for each person. Some people do not do well with vegan, even if they have Parkinson's and others do. But we do find that we eliminate dairy from every person that has an autoimmune disorder. They can eat sheep or goat product, but we recommend Dairy, all dairy products be stopped from people with any kind of autoimmune inflammation. So that is true, no dairy, but as far as how much and how many vegetables, you know, again, I mean, eight to 10 cups a day is the best of organic. And of course, organic pasture-raised, you know, any products you use, it's so important that they be organic and GMO-free. Yeah. Why organic? Just because they are likely to come from soil that's more nutrient-dense and not be exposed to pesticides? That's both of it, but also, as I mentioned, that the pesticides destroy the microbiome and the lining of the yeah. gut. Yeah. Yeah. They also deposit in the fatty tissues of the body. So when you have, you know, you're taking foods with pesticides, if you're with more body fat than most men have, it's going to deposit in the fatty tissues. That's why in the United States, currently, we have a breast cancer epidemic. It's environmental. It's the air pollution. It's the toxins. And, and we teach women how to detox twice a year. So when people go on our digestive health plan, they will also work with us on a detox plan because it goes hand in hand with helping them to clear the toxins. In functional medicine, we look at phase one and two. And if you're imbalanced detoxifier, you're not moving the toxins out. So some people package their toxins in their body and ideally they would move them out, you know, through the skin, through the urine, through the digestive system. But in this way, they're just recirculating them. If they have issues with phase one and phase two in functional medicine paradigm, then we teach them how to effectively detox, what nutrients they need to detox properly. And we do that two to three times a year because of the epidemics here caused by some of these toxic pesticides and chemicals. Yeah. And it's not much different here in Europe. I mean, I live in the city of London. We've got traffic. I've got a bus that chunks up and down the road outside me. We've got those environmental toxins in most of the civilized world, most of the world. Do you recommend that people who don't present with symptoms also go through a detox process throughout the year? And if so, yeah. what does that process look like? Yeah, and it depends again on the gut testing. So we recommend we have, you know, thousands of patients who are now so well, they're not having symptoms anymore, but they come every year from their gut tests for their digestive stool analysis and their blood test, their functional blood test, and they detox with us every year, twice a year. So no matter how vibrantly healthy these people feel, they still have to do a detox for prevention that they then, you know, start to change their microbiome as a result if they do not clear the toxins effective every year. Yeah. yeah. And this is the really interesting thing with medicine, whether it's functional or traditional or otherwise, is that I think you're getting at that urge or the, the drive towards preventative medicine. So let's do things to prevent ourselves getting ill rather than waiting for the horse to bolt before we worry about the lock on the door. But also that it's become very personalised. And that's why I really enjoyed going through this process because it's very personal. It's my gut. And it's not based on the likelihood of getting anything. And it has highlighted, we'll come to my report and talk about, for me, the three things that really stood out. What is the detox process that you put people through? So the detox process is very individualized. And so that's something I would prefer to discuss with people individually, because yep. usually on the podcast, well, all main, the main thing I say is that detox is essential. Yeah, yeah. So it's individualized for each person. So when they call us and work with us, 
and we're able to go on Skype through, you know, detox processes. Yeah, yeah, got it. It's just something where they they really work with the liver, cleaning the digestive system and boosting the lymphatic system. And there's a a number of different things that we do with each person, but it will vary with with each individual. Hmm. And is the majority of, of what you do natural remedies? Yes, primarily I use natural remedies. I have several physicians on my team. If people have parasites or they have Giardia or serious bacteria like Cryptosporidium, yes, we use pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. So if people come back from India and they have a bad parasite and bacteria, the physicians and I work together with the bacteria to help them initially. But I do primarily natural nutraceuticals and customized plant-based remedies. Yeah, good. Okay. This kind of leads into my my results, but do you need to test to understand whether or not you've you've got issues with the gut? Are there other ways of doing it? Yes, you know, the most important thing is the exciting news, Leanne, is that now we have the latest cutting edge digestive technology to test each every single aspect of health. For example, when patients in your area, I'm sure also in the United States, when they go and get a stool sample to the traditional doctor in the United States, they look for only one thing, which is, is that stool test positive for occult blood? Once they find occult blood, the person has a serious advanced disease. Can I just stop you? What what is occult blood? Occult blood is blood that is found not not in the lower intestine. Sometimes when you have hemorrhoids or you have anal fissures, you can get red blood in your stool, but it's coming right. from opening from the anus. Yeah. This is coming from higher in the colon. Okay, good. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. So occult blood is the standard of care in the United States. And when you look at our 10-page test for patients in functional medicine, occult blood will be one little box. So what I'm saying is that in testing, in standard testing, what they're looking for in the United States is only advanced stage disease, which will then cost billions and a person's quality of life is gone. Mm. What we do and recommend is no matter how vibrantly healthy you are, no matter what your age, we test even young children or teenagers. Once a year, you do your digestive analysis to show all the things will go over with, with Leanne's, with you, with your case. But then you know whether or not you're on the road to something serious. So you get that flashing light, yellow light, before it turns red and becomes mm. a very serious mm. health issue that will then cost so much more than just evaluating every year what is going on because the microbiome is constantly changing. So we're looking at much more than just the bacteria, which we'll discuss when we go over that. Yeah. And that whole idea of testing that, even if you're asymptomatic, as I ostensibly was, which is I didn't have any particular symptoms, I think is is really important, particularly if we go back to the start of the conversation and you talk about... Yes. This is so important, Leanne, is that actually, as you know, you had no symptoms as far as, you know, you were fine. And we found a significant result. And I would say that 80% of patients that test say they feel fine. And yet we find that this biotic or bad bacteria, bad wheat growing in the garden, that if it's not taken care of, it will cause a lot of inflammation throughout the whole body later on. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure people are desperate to know what's going on in my gut. So let's put them out of their misery. Let's talk about my results. What did you, uh, firstly... For those who, who don't know me, I am fit. I'm 43 years old. I live a very healthy life. I've, I don't drink alcohol. I eat a lot of vegetables. I do a decent amount of exercise, but I don't think I overtrain. I'm in good state of health, I would have said. So that was when I came to you and we talked about doing this and I took the test. The only issues I've got are two things. One, I, I used to have a real problem with burping, particularly after certain foods. But I actually resolved that with goat milk kefir. But the outstanding issue I've got is a cough. I've had a persistent cough for a long time. And that's actually got much worse in the last few months. So that's just to give people a picture of my health. So I didn't come to you because of the cough. I came to you because I was curious and I thought this would make a great podcast. So so that's a bit of background on me. What did you find in the test? So what I found was we always start with the microbiome, with the microbiology. We look at the beneficial flora that helps you digest your nutrients, absorb your nutrients, ferment your fibers, and make your anti-tumor and anti-inflammatory. So the bacteria that is the good bacteria that's present in your 
stool sampling and actually helps you every day to make these anti-inflammation cytokines that you need to curb inflammation in your body, to detox, so anti-tumor factors, everything is dependent on these bacteria. And in the test, we're looking for a three or four. So what we saw is that your test only had two plus of the lactobacillus. So the interesting thing is that the lactobacillus, which is a primary player, even though you had a three plus of the bifidus, you were missing a key player that could be, should be a four actually hmm. to help give you that boost, digestion, absorption, elimination. So now we, you know, we're looking at which strains assist you to raise that lactobacillus to the right level and also work with some of the other bacteria that was at a two. But the main thing for you, the bifida was fine. And then the lacto was the one that we found was missing. And that's a primary player. The other was that even though you had a better overall ratio of bacteria in the green bar, you know, which was a good beneficial, you had that gamma and alpha hemolytic strep at a commensal bacterial level of two plus, which means you've got some bacteria in it that's already causing you some inflammation. So we know that when we give you the right bacteria to boost that lacto, it's not only going to help you digest and absorb your nutrients, also really going to help you to get, get rid of that bad in the yellow. Now, we found one very significant factor, which is you have a three plus, which is considered to be a pathogenic bacteria in the pink graph, which is a Citrobacter freundi. That one is very significant for you because here you are healthy, you know, yes, you have certain things going on, but by keeping that citrobacter there, and most people have one, two, or three of those, this biotic floor. And what that simply means is a weed is growing that has gone out of control of a bad neighborhood. It's like a good neighborhood that had many, you know, like here they call it a bad neighborhood, you know. So you've got the bad weeds have grown to a point where we now need to use natural antimicrobials to remove those weeds, make sure we cultivate the soil with enough prebiotics. And to make sure that the lactobacillus that we're recommending for you is going to take hold. Because I also want to tell listeners, you can throw any kind of probiotic at your body from over the counter. Most of the time, we find it does not work. As a matter of fact, when you start taking an antibiotic, that's very important. Here, we're trying to educate doctors when they give an antibiotic to give a prescription for a probiotic. Because critical that you start that the first day, not after 10 days of taking it, because you are immediately working with a microbiome, you know, working with boosting that biome so that you can handle the die-off from all of the antibiotic. But for you, for example, the citrobacter is so significant that we need to give you specific antimicrobials. Then even if you kill it off, unless you cultivate the soil in the garden too, if you've got depleted soil, no minerals in the soil, if you don't have the terrain, you can't really grow the healthiest plants, right? So what I'm doing is helping you to cultivate the terrain with the prebiotics, with the right conditions, so then you can plant that lacto and it will really take hold and keep the bad weeds away. Yeah, okay. So am I right in thinking the first step is to get rid of the citro, citrobacter freundi, yeah. And then repopulate with the lactobacillus. Yes. Okay, so we're pulling up the weed and then we're fertilising the soil that's remaining. Okay, now that was really interesting. So I'm looking out for, I'll take your recommendations on a lactobacillus probiotic supplement. What are some of the things that you recommended for me for the citrobacter? Well, one of the things we do in that test, which the listeners will really be happy to hear, is that when you have a, like the GAF, you know, the particular dysbiotic pathogenic bacteria, the lab does an independent assay, a very specific culture of that bacteria. So your, Leanne's culture, your showed that you respond to the grapefruit seed extract being a natural antimicrobial. So we look at which there are many, many antimicrobials that you can take, but we test for which one. And then I give you the one that tests the most for your particular dysbiotic or pathogenic bacteria. Yeah. And that's extraordinary that you can tell that. You can tell what I respond well to. How does that, how does that work? 
Well, it's incredible because see now with the new testing, what they're doing is exposing that bacteria to many different agents and they're showing which one is this actually respond to. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's extraordinary. So it was grapefruit seed extract that I respond well to. Was there anything else? Yes, there was also oregano and berberine, and we also found yeast. That was the other most significant factor, is that we found two different species of yeast growing, and we found a few yeast, which is very, very important, because that also will affect the whole terrain. It will affect your absorption, digestion. So I gave you a specific nutrition plan of going off of all sugars, white sugar, white flour, off of all fruit for two months in order to eradicate the specific yeast that you have because there's different species. And so you go on a nutrition plan that's customized for your yeast situation. And then you take oregano, berberine, you know, some of these things that we talked about, a caprylic acid with the also the citrobacter in order to then, you know, eradicate that. Yeah. Now, that was the really interesting thing for me. It's a candida infection, isn't it? Yes. I used to drink an extraordinary amount of alcohol on a daily basis. And just over six years ago, I stopped. Now, during my drinking years, which are 20 of them, I would have said to you, I don't have a sweet tooth. I like a piece of cheese. Of course, that's absolute nonsense. I wasn't thinking about how much sugar I was drinking on a daily basis. So when I gave up in March 2012, I immediately had to eat huge amounts of chocolate every day. I still lost three and a half stone, but I was eating big chunks, big slabs of chocolate every day to sate that sugar craving. And I have to say in those six years, my health has transformed, but I have never really got on top of sugar. Today is day one of being ostensibly sugar-free, by which I mean, as you suggest, no, no refined sugars, no obvious things like cakes and chocolate, no white flowers, so white flour-based products like breads and pastas and things like that. So I think it's going to be extraordinarily challenging. But as I said to you when we went through my results on Friday, I'm looking forward to it because I have been looking for a big push to get me off sugar because I know it causes inflammation. I know it's not good for me. And you think in about 60 days, I should have kind of, if I'm avoiding those sugars, I'll have got rid of that candida. What we do, Leanne, is as I mentioned, after three months, we retest. So I'm actually suggesting, I was suggesting to you, you know, stay off of fruit, alcohol and sugar. And we'll see how you do. It depends on each person. Retest in two or three months. And then if the candidate's gone, then you can slowly reintroduce things and we talk about that. But I generally recommend when someone's had candida that they stay off of sugar. Yeah. I mean, I don't see the point of going back to daily sugar consumption because it'll all in likelihood just come back. And what I'm actually looking for, if I can break the habit in less than 90 days, it's going to be very silly to then go back onto it because I'll have broken the habit. Okay, cool. So they were the the main things for me. So it was lactobacillus needed to be increased. I had a dysbiotic presence of Citrobacter frondi. Yes. I think we'll we'll go with that. I think that's roughly pronounced correctly. And the candida infection. And then you you wrote for me a a personalised plan of how I can increase or decrease or eliminate those things. What else in terms of lifestyle impacts gut health is it things like sleep yes. exercise Very important Ali and I just want to mention too that because you are so healthy one thing before I answer that is that I want to say that the test you we've only looked at the first part of the test which is the one that was out of balance mm. but you had in addition to that we tested your secretary IgA which is the first line of immunology and it was normal whereas most of our patients have low gut immunology or overreactive. Mm -hmm. We tested all the short chain fatty acids, including the butyrate, which is the most important part of colon cancer prevention is to have enough butyrate. Short chain fatty acids are the fermentation basis of dietary fiber, and you need good bacteria to ferment your fibers and produce short chain fatty acids. So those are all tested, your secretary IgA Most importantly, we tested all your digestive enzymes, and that's where we saw that you had some fibers Mm. in the stool that indicated you needed to eat slower and chew better. Yeah. But your fat digestion was fine. We look at fat digestion, protein, carb digestion. You were doing great. We look at your inflammation markers. So it's important for the listeners to know that we look at all the inflammation markers, lysozyme, calprotectin, lactoferrin red blood cells, mucus, things that would show early on stages of inflammatory bowel disease or other serious diseases would show up. Mm. So we test for 
the microbiome, which for you was out of balance, the yeast, digestion, absorption, then the, all the inflammation markers, then secretary IgA, short-chain fatty acids, and then all the colon health markers, which for you were also normal, but we look at the pH, of course, the occult blood, and then also, you know, the different aspects of the pH level. Is it appropriate? So it's a, it's a 10 page or more, depending on what we're testing, hmm. very complete 3D full color test. And I think that's essential for everyone, no matter how great they feel yep. at this point. Yep. And it was yep. very comprehensive. And what was really interesting, which you've just alluded to, is, and I've said at the, the outset, I felt healthy. I wasn't presenting with any particular... Now, I want to come back to the cough, because that is the only thing. But I could have wandered around for another three years carrying the candida infection with a lactobacillus deficiency in a dysbiotic gut, albeit just a small strain. And that, I think, is, is the kind of, you know, the whole ethos, the title of my second book, and the whole ethos of what I do as, a, as an individual in a business is helping people remove the guesswork from what's going on with their health. And I think no better example than this, really, of how you can do that. And that you don't necessarily need to be presenting with symptoms to carry around, you know, a strain of bacteria that's actually very harmful for health. Particularly if we come back to the notion, well proven, that the root of health is there in the gut. And that could be affecting mental disorders, physical conditions, all sort of hormonal issues. Yes, everything I would say, the keys, of course, the autoimmune epidemic, but also all mental disorders, you know, weight gain, anxiety, depression. And to get back to your question, Liam, which is a good one about what affects the bacteria, is that our lifestyle has a key factor. So it's the environmental pollution, the toxins that we're exposed to every day. The most important, the genetically modified organism really affect the gut lining and the whole microbiome. They've now proven that they kill off the good bacteria that, and, and also the GMOs that are in food kill the bacteria. Yeah. Stress levels really affect it. Mm-hmm. So if you have high emotional or physical stress, Pharmaceutical drugs, especially your listeners who are on a pharmaceutical drug, do need to test once a year for the gut. That's a very important part. And then also lifestyle. If people don't get enough sleep, it will affect the microbiome. Mm. If they're not sleeping enough, if they're living a very fast-paced lifestyle, obviously the stress you know, is a key factor. And their diet. If they're eating a fast food diet or a diet that includes a lot of the foods that are out of balance for their body, it will affect the microbiome as well. Yeah, just briefly yeah. around stress, because that is one of the biggest causes of preventable death in the UK and maybe the same in the US. How does stress, I guess it comes back to the vagus nerve, which we talked about. Listeners benefit. I was actually introduced to Dr. Roche by Ryan Munsey, who I recorded a podcast with, which we'll link to in the show notes a few weeks ago. And we talk a lot about vagus nerve in that episode. So download that one if you want to find out more about vagus nerve. But what is the impact of stress on the microbiome? Yes. So as we mentioned before, cortisol levels go up when you're under stress, when you have the fight or flight response, and you have the nervous system kicking in that accelerates everything, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate goes up, then you're going to have your cortisol go higher and alters the bacterial composition of the gut and influences permeability. So it will start along with many other factors can impact the lining becoming more permeable to let molecules through that are normally not going through. It can also affect you that the stress will kill off the good bacteria, the bifida, lacto, all the other good bacteria that are good for the functioning of every organ and will start to cause other bacteria to flourish. So it will start to trigger things like the citrobacter to start growing. Interesting. So I wonder if there's an element of stress that... Okay, cool. I think you've mentioned annual testing, but is that what you would recommend that people do if they are relatively healthy? Yes, definitely. Okay, so annual testing. How does the process work with you? Yes, so we have a special offer for your listeners, which we posted on our website. Go to that digestivehealth.center. So it's www.digestivehealth.center. And on there, you will see a link on the homepage that lists the podcast that you did today. And it will say special offer for your listeners. We're offering a complete comprehensive digestive stool analysis, three-day analysis that will be shipped to them. The kit is shipped. 
via FedEx, and they return it again via FedEx to the lab with parasitology and a comprehensive consultation, one-hour consultation with me, and that is $797, which is normally $1,097. So the list price is $1,097. So we're offering a special offer for contact us. It has click on the link and contact us via the website. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for that. I will promote that on all of our social media channels as well. And we'll make sure we link to everything in the show notes. Just going back to you, what's next for you? What are you working on at the moment? Well, what's so exciting is that I'm working with many, many people around the latest research on prevention of cancer and autoimmune using specific gut strains. I'm actually doing a lot of research with some physicians here at Stanford too and other areas and to actually take people through, you know, we have, we're doing some things with autoimmune patients in our clinic where we're taking them through different bacterial strains. So we're analyzing the effects of those bacteria on their autoimmune disorder. I'm very, very excited about being at the cutting edge of cancer prevention, autoimmune. I traveled to Europe quite a bit to work with the clinics there. And I'm very much what's great is I'm working on Skype and, you know, the FaceTime or other media. I'm working with people that way or on the telephone all over the world now. So it's very, very much an exciting time to change, not only change the gut, but help to bring functional medicine into the mainstream in the United States. So I'm doing work with the leading medical schools. I have some physicians and I will be teaching about this so that the students learn it at the entry level, what this is about, and then they can let their patients know how important it is. Yeah, very cool. Bring together like hand and glove the functional medicine world with the you know, current practicing medical model in the United States. Mm. And what do you do? What are some of the practices that you have to keep yourself healthy? What I do is I do my own gut testing every year, of course, and I exercise every day. I go outside. I find exercising in nature for half an hour lowers cortisol, balances the microbiome. So I spend quite a bit of time eating and also eating, of course, I eat exactly the way I teach my patients. So I'm eating you know, very specialized. I have a chef that works with my patients. So I work with someone every week. I'm completely gluten dairy free. I eat hundred percent organic and I also exercise quite a bit. Mm. Do you still eat meat? I do not eat red meat. No, no. I eat fish and I eat less and less of the fish as the research comes out about the pollution here. I eat only fish from Alaska Mm. or from Canada but don't eat any red meat, haven't eaten any red meat for 20 years. And red meat may be fine for some people. I don't mean to give people the impression red meat is not okay because we do body composition, body type analysis. Some patients need meat in order to function effectively. So it's each, every diet, no one size fits all with the diet. It has to be customized. For me, I don't eat meat, but that doesn't mean your listener shouldn't eat meat. Yeah. So again, it comes back to keeping it personal, doesn't it? And doing what works for you and testing to remove the guesswork yeah and do you take supplements yes i take supplements every day absolutely i eat a lot of cultured food one of the key things that i can leave you with also is that cultured yogurt that doesn't have any sugar the coconut yogurt there's a company that i've been working with they've had me consult with them on some of the strains and all that but they're in the united states it's called coconut cult and for example so i use cultured products every day. I eat sauerkraut with each meal at the beginning of each meal. So as I said, the prebiotics, like having sauerkraut, kimchi, beet kvass, having, you know, really good vegetables like fennel contains a lot of prebiotic, asparagus, onions, garlic. You know, I eat like five to 10 cups of different veggies every day in various forms. I might drink it as juice or I might drink it, you know, but with the fiber, you need enough fiber in order for the microbiome to function. So basically, I recommend those prebiotics. So that's what what I do is I show people how to combine them in a juice or how to get, you know, the maximum of living nutrients from that. So I take supplements, but I take mostly also, you know, it's a combination of living nutrients and supplements because the prebiotics are so important. Yeah. And last question, how do you manage your stress? Because you're obviously top of your game, you're very busy, you travel a lot, the airplanes are not a good the place to thrive. What do you do to manage stress and keep yourself on an even keel? I do the heart math every day. The process that I teach people, autogenic training. And when I go on an airplane, I have my heart machine with me in the waiting area already. 
And when I'm on the trip every day for 20 minutes, I meditate or I do the heart math or some of the autogenic training work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. That's critical. That's really important for everyone to know that you want to have yoga practice every day. Some type of, you know, internal stress reduction practice is essential to keep the microbiome healthy and to work with the bacteria, gut bacteria. Yeah. I meditate for 15 minutes a day and try and encourage people we work with to do the same thing. But I've, I've come to observe that not everyone can get to grips with meditation. Sometimes they'll be doing their walk every day. Perhaps they knit. They may read. And actually, that is a form of meditation. It's taking some time out to move the nervous system into parasympathetic dominance. It doesn't really matter if it's meditating using an app, whether it's yoga, whether it's heart math, whether it's sitting with a dog by your feet with a book. It's meditative. And I think that is so important. Yes, that's so critical. Yeah. Absolutely. You've spoken to Ryan, Ryan Munsey, and in my episode with him, we talk a lot about vagus nerve and things you can do to move yourself into parasympathetic dominance. And that was a great episode. We should link to that as well, your episode with Ryan and share that. Uh, Dr. Roche, thank you so much for your time. It's digestivehealth.center, spelled the American way, which is C-E-N-T-E-R. And you've got that special offer of the whole digestive stool with parasitology and the consultation with you, which is worth hundreds of dollars. For a 799... 797. 797. Okay, so $300. Incredible. Thank you for that. Um, Thank you very much for your time. Yes, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, bodyshopperformance.com and click on Take the Test. And it'll take you through to a very short two to three minute health IQ test. At the end of that, you'll get a scorecard based on your results and a free 39-page report built all around our six signals, which are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. So jump on the website, bodyshopperformance.com, and take our test. Finally, thanks for listening to this show, and if you've enjoyed what you've heard and it's added value to you, share the episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a rating, a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.